0: broadway for friday may 4th may the 4th be with you 2018 i'm broadway world's matt Tamanini. and my name is james marino are you james i really hope you're playing the imperial march right now of course i am okay especially because i just jedi mind tricked you into it well i think that probably uh rob johnston made me do it (laughs) That's true. That's true. Very good. Um, And and Rob sent me a, uh, Rob Johnston sent me a a tweet the other day. Very nice of him. So I really appreciate it. I've got to get back to him, but uh, that was very nice of him. So, um, James, we've got a little bit of a different structure here today uh, because we're about to welcome on an esteemed guest, somebody whose name, that I mention pretty much any time a major show opens in New York and that is Adam Feldman from Time Out New York we're going to have him on here just momentarily to talk about the New York Drama Critics Circle Awards that were announced today really interesting and uh, we've already done the interview James and it was really really fascinating to pull back the curtain uh, on this because so many more of the other uh, award giving organizations don't give you that kind of insight so it's a really cool conversation that we had
1: we are so lucky tonight because Adam Feldman is joining us from high, high above Times Square from the 42nd, <laughs> 42nd floor. What floor are you on, Adam?
2: Uh, 42nd, that's exactly right.
1: You're on the 42nd floor of... Are, are uh, you stalking me? Uh, <laughs> it's, well, it's a little it, unsettling I, that you know my flirt Well, it's in the signature of your email That's the, that's the reason why Alright, sure, 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 sure <laughs> That's what I'm doing So uh, Adam is the uh, theater and dance editor for Time Out New York And uh, also has another clever title Adam, tell us your title
2: I am the president of the New York Drama Critics Circle And
1: what does that mean?
2: Well, the New York Drama Critics Circle is an organization It is... Uh, a venerable old group that was founded in the 1930s, and basically it is the first-string drama critics of the major publications in New York, um, except for the New York Times, which uh, wouldn't, you know was changed its rules a few years ago and pulled all of its critics out of awards organizations. So, uh, but pretty much everyone else. And uh, every year we get together and we vote on the best play of the season, and sometimes other awards as well.
1: So, so what happened on Thursday?
2: Well, uh, we had our annual meeting, and uh, we decided to give the Best Play Award to Mary Jane by Amy Herzig. And uh, I am thrilled with this decision because it was my favorite show of last year.
1: It, you know, um, Peter Felicia and Michael Portantier both raved about Mary Jane, uh, refresh the listeners' memories, what Mary Jane was about. And, and is there a chance that we're going to see it again?
2: Well, I really hope that it comes back because that experience that you're telling me about, about hearing that it was great but not having seen it, is one that I get a lot. A lot of people seem to have have had the same uh, experience because by the time word got out about how good it was, um, it was mostly done. And, you know, that's the thing with these relatively short off-Broadway runs. This one was at New York Theatre Workshop in, in the fall. And, uh, you know, by the, there's so much news, and by the time you can really sort of get a handle on what to see, it's often uh, too late. So, you know, this was a play um, that I was deeply moved by. Uh, it's a play about a single woman with a very severely disabled uh, toddler, Uh we don't see the child. The child is in the next room, but we. Um, but the whole play is about uh, her experience uh, in dealing with this very difficult situation. Uh, there was a cast of five women, and one thing that I really loved about it um, was that it, it it felt very true to the details of this. Uh, very specific situation and this very sort of tragic situation, but didn't sort of treat it in this maudlin way. And in fact, there aren't really any bad characters in the play. It's interesting to see everyone just kind of um, doing the best they can. Um, and it was so beautiful in all of, for me, in all of the detail work and all of the acting and beautifully directed. Um, and I, uh, you know, it's, uh, I do hope that it finds another life because I I think that a lot of people would have the same feelings about it that, that I did and that many of the critics in this year's circle did.
1: I was just going to say that it uh, played down at New York Theatre Workshop uh, September to October of 2017, so it only had, you know, four weeks uh, of playing there at New York Theatre Workshop. Uh, it's it 189 seats, something like that? So pretty small. Yeah, it's a
2: small, right. Um, and uh, Carrie Coon was in it. Uh, she, was, she starred in it, and uh, people might know her from... The leftovers or or other, other so things good. she's done on, on television um she's a wonderful actor and a lot of great actors also the uh, in the supporting cast uh, uh liza kolonzias and um uh, susan porfar who I, I i just think is the bee's knees um and ann kaufman directed it who's one of the best directors in new york and it just it had the feeling of a, a of one, one of those shows where everyone has paid attention to every moment in creating it you know and yeah. uh yeah, so yeah. I'm thrilled that it won. And then uh, what we do in the circle is if we give an award for best play and the award was for an American play, we have the option of getting a second award for best foreign play and vice versa. Uh, and so this year we, we did give an award for best foreign play and that went to Martin McDonough's Hangman
0: another show that could potentially uh, have life again in New York if people didn't see it the first time around. Um, Mary Jane, it's going to be a little tough. Carrie Coon just signed on to star in a TV show in the second season of a TV show. So if we're going to bring Mary Jane to Broadway, that's tough. Um, But Hangman was one that has been rumored uh, even during when the off-Broadway run was still going on uh, that could be coming to New York at some time soon. Um, So hopefully that is something that more people will get to see at some point. But Adam, what I was really interested Interested in and you said you you guys have the option to give a uh, an award to a foreign player vice versa depending on what you pick. You guys have a lot of options with these awards, and you you chose an option this year not to give um, a best musical award. Now this isn't the first time you've done this. I know it's not even the first time that you guys have done it since you've been the president. I think it was what 2010. You didn't give one as well. If
2: I'm uh, well, 2010, there wasn't there wasn't one as well. Yeah.
0: So and, uh, I, and there have been. Oh, sorry. No, I was just gonna say I don't. I, you know, this isn't necessary. I'm, I'm not asking you to say this show was bad. This is why we didn't give it. But I, I just wondered what goes into the process of trying to make the determination. Because I'm sure there's shows that everybody liked and enjoyed. But where does it come down to? How, mm-hmm. Where is that level? Where is what is that threshold that a show has to cross for you guys to deem? it worthy to give that award. And it, I think it does bear mentioning that the band's visit won last year. Uh, so that's right. why it wasn't eligible, I
2: assume. Right. It was not eligible this year. And there used to be, you know, uh, there used to be, if you go to the uh, New York Drama Critics Circle website, you can peruse the past awards list. And you'll see that uh, up until fairly recently, it was not that unusual for us to give no award for, for, for Best Musical. There were there were many years Sort of in the uh, prior to that, when it when it didn't happen, we've got we've become a, a bit more uh, regular in that way in giving one every year. But it's not an automatic thing. We we have a first vote, and uh, it's a slightly complicated ballot system. But the first vote that we have is is strictly uh, a majority kind of thing. So if 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 one show wins the first ballot you know wins a majority of the votes on the first ballot then it then it wins the prize uh, but then we have a second ballot and on the second ballot we decide whether we want to give an award at all and uh, a lot of the time for best foreign or American play uh, we decide not to and this year we decided not to uh, uh, for best musical and there, there's different reasons for that sometimes it's because um, no one can sort of agree on which there's just too much division about which to give it to. And sometimes it's because there's a feeling that none of them, none of the real candidates rise to the level that we want to honor in our particular organization. Uh, Because the drama critic circle is really more about the writing than it is about other things. It was conceived initially as an alternative Hmm. to the Pulitzer prize. And it sort of remains that um, in its, in its conception of itself. And so you know, although uh, speaking just personally, there there are a lot of shows that I liked very much this year. There are a lot of musicals that I liked very much this year. But uh, it's a question of whether they stand up as musical theater writing to the to the standard of you know, past awardees. Yeah. Um, so, and, you know, the, the, we actually, we are the most transparent voting group in the biz. And every year we post exactly who voted for what. and uh, and you can go to the again to the Drama Critics Circle website and look at this year's awards page, and you will see uh, how the voting went down. Uh, you'll see who awesome. who voted for what, and yeah, uh, on each on each ballot, and on the when in, uh, in both in both best play and best foreign play, they ended up going to a a third ballot, which is a weighted point based ballot, and you can see everyone's top three choices for those ballots. And some of the results were very interesting to me. I have to say, I loved Mary Jane, but I didn't quite realize that as many other people felt as as <laughs> as, as strongly about it as I did. And um, so that was a very happy surprise for me. And uh, and you'll see that some shows that you know, like Cost of Living, which won the Pulitzer Prize this year, uh, they had very little support from uh, from anyone. I think it made one. Per, I think it was the th- one critic's third choice. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, Cost of Living is a play that I liked quite a lot Um, I thought it had really great moments but I was surprised that it won the Pulitzer the Pulitzer is decided by very very few people so this is um, this is more of a consensus and it's a consensus of people who who spend their lives uh, going to the theater and thinking about it in those terms
1: yeah well um, I'm looking at the dramacritics.org website and uh, just to give people a taste of this because you can spend a lot of time here uh, looking at this thing (laughs) Uh, just the best musical first ballot We had Hilton, Hilton All's uh, The Boy Who Danced on Air David Cody, uh, Jerry Springer of the Opera Joe Domenowitz abstained Michael Feingold, Bella and American Tall Tale Adam voted for Jerry Springer of the Opera David Finkel abstained Sarah Holdren, K-pop uh, Isherwood abstained uh, Chris, Christopher Kelly, SpongeBob SquarePants David Rooney abstained Frank Scheck, K-pop Barbara Shuler, K-pop Helen Shaw, Old Stock at Refugee Love Story. I don't know Old Stock. i have to check that out.
2: Uh, uh, it was actually really good. It was at fifty ninety, fifty nine. I think it's closed now, but it was a, yeah, a, a yeah, really quirky and interesting show. Uh,
1: to go back and read about it. I'm sh- sure most of the stuff, you know, we, hard to find the off-Broadway stuff, so so close David Sheward Mean Girls uh, Marilyn Stasio SpongeBob Zachary Stewart The Boy Who Danced on Air Terry Teachout Miss You Like Hell Elizabeth Finch and Jerry Springer the Opera and Matt Windman Jerry Springer the Opera these are you know these names not only the shows but these uh, folks who have voted here we talk about uh, you know every week on on Broadway Radio as the the leaders in thought and and uh, critical review of theater, so I encourage our listeners to get over to drama dot uh, org and check this out. It's really very interesting.
2: I was just going to say, like as you can see, there was really there was no consensus this year on best musical yeah, at all. They're, exactly, uh, all over, and there's just so many uh, different candidates. It's a lot less
0: scandalous than I thought at first. <laughs> well, I, well, I think it's I think that explanation really helps because I think and I even said this to you on on Twitter, Adam, and I said it tongue in cheek, obviously. But, you know, when you tweeted that there was no award given for best musical, that sounds like a slap <laughs> in the face of those musicals. And I think it's really interesting and it's great how transparent that you guys are that you say. Yes, there might be some of that, but that's partially because there wasn't a consensus to say, yes, this one stood out. This the band's visit from last year obviously stood out. But I think to know that there were people who did want to vote for things and it wasn't just that these were all terrible. Um, you know, so I think that's really good to be no, able to say yeah. that it was a it was a conscious decision, you know, looking at what the voting members actually thought of the season as a whole.
2: Yeah, and just uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes there are a lot of terrific shows in the same season. Sometimes they even can cancel each other out in weird sort of ways. Uh, you know, sometimes there yeah. are quirks of the voting. But, um, but uh, this year, yeah, this year, no Best Musical. And that's a shame because I, I, I like musicals a lot. But it uh, doesn't always work out.
1: So uh, you didn't mention the special citations. You want to hit those quickly?
2: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, special citations are actually something that we've been focusing a lot on lately because they give us a chance to talk outside of the literary box, you know, and to look at a a whole range of other things, uh, performance and design and uh, sort of leadership in in the arts community and lifetime achievement. And it can really be whatever we want. And so there was was a really fun discussion today, I have to say, a lot of really uh, heated – not heated, but a lot of smart – uh, conversation about what we should give it to this year. And what we ended up settling on is three special citations, one for Park Avenue Armory, uh, which has really been putting up some extraordinary um, theater, uh, another for the Off-Broadway Theater Group uh, Transport Group, uh, Jack Cummings III's group, uh, which... Uh, again, has has been on a a really solid run and has been doing really good work without quite getting the recognition that it deserves for some time. And, uh, And a third special citation to the staging, design, and illusions of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. And that's an example, that last one, of how you can separate out the production from the play because Harry Potter, for me, is an extraordinary theatrical experience, but what makes it so is the staging, design, and illusions. It's not really the text of the play. Um, and we did a similar thing a few years ago with War Horse, which won the Best uh, Play Tony Award uh, in a year that it was competing against some much better plays uh, because it was such an extraordinary production. And it's nice to be able to separate those things out. And the Tonys, as you know, there isn't a distinction between the production and the play and the writing of the play for um, for the Best Play category as there is for, for, for Best Musical, which is weird. And so sometimes you end up with things like War Horse winning Best Play. Uh and this year, I think that was the feeling, that Harry Potter was not something we were going to vote for for Best Foreign Player, Best Play, necessarily, although some people did. Uh, but that it was worth recognizing what makes it such a magical experience on Broadway.
1: Well, Adam, thank you so much for joining us on Broadway Radio. We really, <laughs> thank you for having me. We really appreciated uh, your insight. Uh, as I said, this is much less scandalous than I had hoped.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's too bad. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> They didn't didn't bribe us enough. (laughs) They didn't didn't bribe us enough.
0: Next next time we have Adam on, I I need to have some karaoke stories or something, because I know, Adam, you are quite the
2: karaoke aficionado. (laughs) I will be happy to talk about karaoke for as long as you will let me. All
0: right, next time, next time. Uh, (laughs) You know, you've been uh,
1: spotted at the new Alan Cumming place a lot.
2: Uh, yeah, Club Coming is fantastic. They, right now, they, they can't have live music there because they're having some zoning problems. But I'm hoping that that'll be fixed
1: Well, if anybody can fix it, you can.
2: <laughs> I'm the fixer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Write that $130,000
2: check, you'll be all set. That's right. Uh, anyway, thanks for having me on.
1: Uh, The West End Musical, Everybody's
0: Talking About Jamie, is working on a New York transfer. Yeah. Yesterday, Dan Gillespie Sells told the London Evening Standard that uh, his West End Musical, Everybody's Talking About Jamie, is currently in talks to bring the show to Broadway. Sells wrote the show's music, and Tom McRae wrote the book and lyrics. In the article, Sells said, quote, I'm just going to keep my fingers crossed for Broadway. We would love to keep on telling the story and take it around the world. Who knows? It's just talks at this stage. He also mentioned that there's thoughts about making it into a film as well. Um, Everybody's talking about Jamie is about a 16 year old boy who overcomes prejudice beats the bullies and steps out of the darkness and into the spotlight and becomes a sensation. No, stop singing, Tommy. It's a different show. Um, but James, I know that our friends uh, Robbie and Patrick have both seen it and raved about it. It got fantastic reviews over in London. So even though we don't see a ton of British musicals transferring, especially in comparison to British plays coming across the pond, it would be great to get this one uh, into New York next season, or I, I guess technically it's it's this season now because we're into the 2018 2019 season so um fingers crossed that they find an enterprising producer that wants to bring a small not flashy show over um and let us see how it does on the great white way
1: uh, are, are, are you um a fan of spinal spinal tap
0: uh taking it to 11 yeah i haven't seen it in many years but i love the christopher guest stuff so we, we can say london is, it's not a very big musical town you could say that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I love, Um, I got to say my favorite, a lot of people will say Waiting for Goffman, Best in Show, all of those things. I love A Mighty Wind. Mighty wind. If you, if you wind, haven't yeah. seen A Mighty Wind, it's very, very good. Uh, a mockumentary about folk, uh, like the, the whole yeah. folk music scene, <laughs> having a reunion concert 30 years later. It's really, really good. I love that stuff.
1: It's amazing that
0: some of those things have never actually made it to a legitimate stage. Uh, James, I, I honestly feel like my mind was just blown by that idea. I don't know how waiting for Guffman is not yeah, a musical already. Exactly. Like how, Oh man, my head hurts because that's such a perfect idea. I mean, the only way I'm sure plenty of people have appro- approached Christopher guest for the, for the rights to that. I'm sure the only reason it hasn't happened is because he hasn't allowed it to happen. Cause otherwise that, I mean, just give it, just give it the Tony's now because yeah. that's perfect. <laughs> That's amazing. Basketball. Get on that. All right. (laughs) All right.
1: Uh, So next up, we are uh, catching up on
0: other things that have happened. So what else do you have? Oh, man, this is a weird one. Uh, But yeah, there are some other things uh, that we want to get to. We talked a long time with Adam, so I'm just going to kind of run through them here. Uh, This is a weird one. In an unusual announcement, a Bronx tale announced that the show's creator, Chaz Palminteri, would be stepping into the role of Sonny in part beginning on May 24th. He'll be playing the part from Tuesday through Friday. Yes, Tuesday through Friday, while the original Sonny and he's still playing the part, um, Nick Cordero, he's going to play the part on Saturday and Sunday. And before you start to think that, oh, Chaz Palminteri's Academy Award winner, he's pushing Nick Cordero out so he can be in his show. Actually, Cordero is going to be filming a movie during the week. And this is the compromise that they made to keep him in the show um, while he's doing his uh, his filming during the week. The production does say and I. I guess I take them at their word. This might require some more uh, uh, research, but the production says that this is the first time that an actor has played the same role in a play, in the film adaptation of the play, and then in the stage musical adaptation of said film and play. Uh, Chaz Palminteri, you know, wrote this. It was a one-man show originally. Then he played Sonny in the film adaptation. And now he's going to be doing the musical. Now, James, uh, Sonny's a part with a lot of singing. Like, I haven't seen this show, but I know some of the music. I double-checked. Sonny's got a lot of songs. Can Chaz Pomateri sing? Huh. Um, uh, that's a very good question. <laughs> I mean, Nick Cordero is a great dancer, too. Like, I don't know if Sonny dances or not. I mean, like, this is just... this is the stunt, weird stunt casting. And again, I get it. It's different. You know, Cordero is filming a a movie. But to bring Chaz Palminteri, who's a fairly big name, and we've been very open about the fact that we have no idea who's buying tickets to to a Bronx Tale now. So this might be really exciting for those people that are interested. But like (laughs) Chaz Palminteri, not in the same, you know, casting calls normally with Nick Cordero. Mm. I'm waiting for them to bring in uh, Bobby De Niro. I mean, he is the the show's co director. I mean, he could be Collegero, you know, yeah. if they need somebody from uh, from Tuesday to Friday. You know, <laughs> all, all right. right. Let's move forward. Uh, Casey Nicola to to direct a big screen Spamalot. Yeah, this was really fun. Yesterday, Deadline is reporting that Fox is working on a big screen adaptation of Spamalot. Of course, Monty Python's Eric Idle is going to pen the screenplay. Mm-hmm. Not dissimilar in a way to Chaz Palminteri, Uh, Eric Idle uh, wrote the original Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Then he wrote the musical adaptation that became Spamalot, and now he's going to do it on the big screen again. The show's original choreographer, Casey Nicola is scheduled to direct. Of course, the late Mike Nichols directed the musical on Broadway. Casting is slated to begin very soon because the filming is scheduled to to commence in spring of 2019. In some other news, on Thursday, it was announced that Andrew Lippa's latest work, Unbreakable, will have a world premiere in San Francisco. Uh, Unbreakable will document the gay experience in America beginning in 1900. The piece will play the Norse Center or the Norse Theater for three performances, June 22nd and 23rd, and will feature the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus. And finally, yesterday, the upcoming musical adaptation of Moulin Rouge, I'm going to pronounce that just like I did uh, uh, Dangerous Liaisons or whatever that was called. Uh, Moulin Rouge uh, released a music video introducing Aaron Tveit as the poet, the starry-eyed poet Christian. Uh, The video was for the song Come What May. It was good. It was pretty straightforward. It's interesting to hear Aaron Tevait's voice on that song that I'm so used to hearing Ewan McGregor sing. Very, very different style, but it was, you know, I love uh, it's just It's going to take some getting used to to hear musical theater chops on these songs. Um, but one thing that is really good to know, it was filmed in a theater, but it is not the Emerson Colonial Theater where the show is going to have its world premiere next month. It was, in fact, the King's Theater in Brooklyn. Um, it's very nice. It's beautiful. But if you're thinking, oh, man, we just saw the new refurbished emerson colonial no you did not that was the king's mm-hmm. theater in brooklyn so if you'd like more information if you want to see that music video you can check out any and all of these stories in the show notes at broadwayradio.com uh, yeah uh, no,
1: i'm not saying it ever again you know who we should ask we should defer to for all french uh, pronunciation
0: uh who's that adam feldman oh know? right he's yeah he's he's, he's from french Montreal. canadian Please. Yeah, it's I believe it's Montreal. Montreal. No, I don't know. I, I watch I watch a lot of hockey, so I get a little bit of the the, the French Canadian pronunciations on things like Calgary. Uh, they always they often yeah. say Calgary rather than Calgary. So, really, all of my French pronunciation names just come from hockey announcers.
1: In fact, we should have Adam sing uh, the Canadian national anthem, "O Canada," uh, before the Tony Awards. I I'm all for it. Let's
0: do it. All right, why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt.
1: And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for wrapping up the week with us
0: uh, on Saturday. Do you have anything in the feed on Saturday? Man, I'm supposed to, but I just haven't had time to edit. This week has been crazy. I know we, James, you and I did an interview. I don't know if you want to put that in there this weekend or not. Uh,
1: Perhaps we will uh, have a little Lea Salonga on Saturday in your feed. And uh, on Sunday this week on Broadway with uh, Michael Portantier and Peter Felicia, we're going to have a special guest on with us. The special guest name is the Tony nominations, where we will talk long (laughs) and, (laughs) and deeply about all of them. I was uh, excited. You got me excited for a special guest, and then it is the Tony Award nominations are a special guest. (laughs) So, uh, otherwise, uh, Matt and I will be back in your ears on Monday. We'll talk to you then.